Welcome to Calvary Albuquerque. We pursue the God who is passionately pursuing a lost world. We do this with one another. Through worship, by the word, to the world. Thank you and good morning and it's great to be in Albuquerque and we're so excited about the shoe boxes. Uh, and I've had people ask me, is my shoe box really that important? Absolutely. Every shoe box represents a child. Uh, we are able to give that gift to a child and be able to do it in Jesus' name. Uh, this, uh, this year, uh, we'll collect about 10 million boxes. And uh, you say, well, 10 million, um, you know, how do you, how do you give them out? Well, uh, we collect them through churches, first of all. I want, the, I mean, the vast majority comes through churches. We want them to come from churches because I want people to pray. I want people to pray for the children who are going to get the box. You know, I have people ask me, what do you put in a box? Well, listen, a, a toy is always great. Put a cool toy in there. You know, school supplies and whatever, those kinds of things. But the most important thing we put in is prayer. Uh, praying for the child that's going to get the box. Because I don't know where the box will go. You, you can uh, go on our website. There is a, you can put a barcode on your box and they'll want it. And you can actually track to what country your, your box will go to. But the most important thing you put in a box is, is prayer. Praying for that child because if we know God will hear the prayer of one righteous person, but can you imagine 10 million people praying for 10 million children? Just, just think what God might do with those prayers. Um, we distribute them through churches. Now, we work all year long on the distribution. It's not something where we collect the boxes and we say, okay, now let's see how we're going to give them out. No. We work all year long on the distribution, on how to get them out. And we work with churches and we train churches how to do a, an evangelistic program using the shoe boxes to give the boxes to the kids of that city. Now, when the boxes come, we just, we send them out. They go into a country. We have, uh, we have teams in those countries that are, take the responsibility for getting them to the churches. And then the churches will invite the children off the street. Say, come to church next week and we'll give you a gift. Now, some people say, well, that's not fair. Who cares about being fair? Listen, we, we want to win these kids to Christ, okay? And uh, so, you know, the Muslims are over there. They're scratching their heads. And the Hindus and the Buddhists and everybody else are kind of scratching their heads. You know, listen, we give these gifts to the kids. But when they come into the church, we present them the gospel, Okay. I want the kids to know, the children of the world, to know that there is a God and that He loves them and that they are important to Him and that they're so important that God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, out of heaven to this earth to take their sins. I want the children to know that they can have a personal relationship with God. And so Operation Christmas Child, God has used this... God has used this in a remarkable way, but we don't want to stop there. We've got a discipleship program called The Greatest Journey, and we've got about 3 million kids enrolled in it. It's a 12-week course, okay? It's a discipleship course. So kids that make a decision for Christ, we have this material. We give it to the churches. 
and it's a 12-week discipleship program. And they have to pass, and at the end they have to take a test, and um, they actually wear a little cap and gown, and they get a they get a diploma, and they get a they get a a, a Bible given to them when they graduate. But I want to I want to raise up an army of evangelists, young kids who know how to share their faith in Christ, and all of it comes back to the box, your box, your prayers. God using your gift, using your prayers to touch the life of a child. And child makes a commitment to Christ. We put them into a discipleship program. And now that kid is going out and sharing his or her faith. That's what we want to do. And uh, it's a lot of fun. And this church um, has been with us since the second year of Operation Christmas Child. The first year was one church in Charlotte, North Carolina. And the next year... I, I asked Skip, I said, Skip, do you think your church could maybe help us with this project? Here's, we're, at that time, we were taking the gifts to, the, to children in Bosnia. And Skip said, absolutely. And talked to Greg Laurie, so it was Skip and Greg and this church in North Carolina. And um, so you've been with us since the very beginning. And we're so grateful for your continued support and help uh, these many years. I was uh, just in the Philippines uh, on Monday, last Monday, uh, to, to look at the, uh, the uh, typhoon and what had happened there at Taklaban, Laity Island. Uh, a 200-mile-an-hour wind, the strongest recorded wind, uh, according to the meteorologist, in recorded history. And this place is not a well-built area, okay? I'm, you know, people live in little little tin houses and so forth. And it just blew everything and just destroyed everything in its path. The Philippine people, uh, when I was there, rubble, 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 rubble. You, they were still digging out bodies. You could still smell the stench of rotting and decaying bodies because it's, it's just buried in the rubble. You can't get it out. And, and everything has been rolled and, and, and just intertwined, and you just it, you, you, you can't get to it with a pitchfork. It just every piece of wood has to be pulled out by hand, and it's just mountains of this stuff everywhere. Trees, trucks, cars. Uh, you you have power lines. All of this stuff is just mingled together, and it's um, it's a mess. It's going to take such a long time for these people. But we wanted to be able to, to help them. We have a hospital that we took over. We, we, we rented a 747. We put a, a, a field hospital in it, sent a team over there with it. We put in shelter material. People sleeping in the rain. It rains every night. And it's hot. It's, it's muggy hot, sticky hot. So during the day, it's up in the 90s. At night, it rains. And the people had no place to, to get out of the rain. So we've got uh, plastic, like these huge, big plastic tarps. And we took 10,000. Uh, we've got another 10,000 going uh, next week. Uh, we're sending a helicopter over there because there are so many areas that are just cut off. The roads are washed into, and you can't get to a village. So we're going to take a helicopter so we can get from village to village. And then uh, we want to take, in three weeks, we're going to take a 747 over filled with shoe boxes for these kids. These, the families have lost everything. Um, we're, we're helping them trying to rebuild, trying to get their lives back in order. But we're going to stop for just a couple of days, and we're going to focus on the children of Laity Island. So we're going to take the plane over there. We'll, and it's not going to be easy distributing them because uh, it's going to be tough. 
because so many areas don't have access. But that's we're going to use helicopters so we can just take boxes in, into these remote little villages and, and just focus on the children and let these children know that God loves them. And I have people ask me sometimes when a storm comes, Franklin, is that God's judgment? Was God judging the Philippines? A tornado goes through our Midwest. Is God judging? Or when, when we had hurricanes hit our coast, or is God judging? You know, I don't know. All I know is that God loves us, okay? I know that. And if you don't remember anything from this morning, remember this. God loves you. The Bible tells us that. The Bible says that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. Now we know God is going to judge sin. And our sins separate us from God. All of us have sinned. Everyone in here, we have sinned against God. And God has placed on us His judgment, and that is death. But yet God so loved the world that He's willing to spare your life. He's willing to forgive you because He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to take your penalty, your sins penalty. When Christ died on the cross, He died for your sins. He was buried for your sins. God raised Him to life. And He'll come into any heart that invites Him. But God is going to judge sin. And God will judge nations. He'll judge individuals. And I believe God's judgment is going to come on America one day for the sins of this nation. But yet we have an opportunity uh, to repent and turn from our sins and to, and to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're here this morning, if you have never invited Christ into your heart, if you're not sure that your sins are forgiven, I'm going to give you an opportunity to be sure before this morning is over. I'm going to invite you to get out of your seat and come stand in front of the platform. And I'll lead you in a prayer to confess your sins to God, to ask for His forgiveness, and by faith to believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. But I want to look at a, at a passage of Scripture where judgment fell on a city. And what happened to that city, and what happened to a certain family in that city. And it's in Luke chapter 17. Starting in verse 28. Luke 17, 28. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating, drinking, buying and selling, planting, building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down. And it will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. And verse 32 says, Remember Lot's wife. There are a lot of articles that, and movies and books that have been written about uh, the end of the world, judgment. Uh, there's been a lot of books and movies written about Armageddon. Uh, Armageddon is mentioned in Revelation chapter 16. is generally thought to be the field of Megiddo, west of the Jordan. It's between Galilee and Samaria and the plains of Jezreel. And it's come to be the symbol of the last war of history, which many believe uh, that Christ will come. The Bible says that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare, it says in Second Peter chapter 3. The elements will be destroyed by fire. Now, I've met Al Gore. Now, I don't agree with a lot of things he says. But, you know, he's right. Uh, global warming. Everything is going to be destroyed by fire. Okay? So it's going to get hot. And uh, when God judges, let me tell you something, it's going to get hot. 
So, Al, um, you know, maybe you're a fundamentalist or something. I don't know. Why did Jesus tell us to remember Lot's wife? We have to go back and look at Lot. He was a nephew of Abraham. They came together out of what is now modern-day Iraq. Uh, they traveled up the, uh, the river valley all the way into what is now Syria, made their way to the coast and went south and came into Canaan. And then from there, Abraham and Lot, they went into to Egypt, and now they come back into Bethel. And during this time, they've all become quite wealthy. And uh, they've a lot of herds, a lot of camels and so forth. But the, the Bible says there's danger in, in riches and affluency. And affluency often brings spiritual poverty. The Bible says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The Bible says in Luke chapter 6, Woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed, for now you will go hungry. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, Lot and Abraham were wealthy. And now this wealth was becoming a problem for the two of them. And their herdsmen were now fighting with each other. Abraham gets his nephew Lot, calls him over and says, Now listen here, nephew. Uh, I love you, and we're family, and, you know, we got to stick together like glue, but it, it's, it's not working here right now. Uh, the land cannot support us. We just can't contain all the animals that we have. There's not enough grass out here for, the, for them to feed, so we need to separate, okay? Just otherwise we're not going to make it. So it's a, a good economic decision. So Abraham says to his nephew, listen, if you go left, I'll go right. If you want to go right, then I'll go left. I don't care. But we just got to split here just so we can make it. And Lot, the Bible says, looked down and he saw the well-watered plains of the Jordan Valley. And he told his uncle, his uncle, I think I'll go that direction. It looked beautiful, lush. It's going to be easy down there than up there in the, the wilderness and so Abraham stays in the wilderness, and Lot goes down, uh, and he goes down to the valley. Now, settles in the town of Sodom. Now, you say, what kind of town was Sodom? What kind of city was it? Well, it was like Wall Street in Vegas. In um, Ezekiel, in chapter 16, Ezekiel says, Behold, this was the sin of your sister Sodom. Arrogant, overfed, Unconcerned, they did not help the poor and needy, and they were haughty, and they did detestable things before me. Now, we know that God judged Sodom and Gomorrah. And Ezekiel is saying this was their sin. They were arrogant. And I think that our nation, in many ways, has become arrogant. And a lot of nations see us this way. Overfed. That is a problem for us. And our country is becoming unconcerned with uh, many, many areas of the world. We're pulling back and we're not helping the way we did at one time. They didn't help the poor and the needy. They were haughty and they did detestable things before me. And I think of our country and the detestable things we do now before God. I look at the abortions that uh, are committed in this country. 
and how that grieves the heart of God. Uh, states now are approving same-sex marriage. And uh, our politicians in Washington, both Democrat and Republican, are supporting this whole thing of same-sex marriage. And these things are detestable before Almighty God. Now, they had a false sense of security, Sodom did. They had some scientific achievements for their, for their day. They had military power. They had economic strength. And this is what they were kind of putting their, their security in. But, you know, many times we put our security. We, we think that we're going to be safe if we have a 401K. Oh, really? Uh, or that if we have our, our Social Security system. Well, that's really secure, isn't it? The politicians have already spent that. Um, We think, well, we've got a strong nation. Do we? Our military power is decreasing every day by the minute. And we see our country beginning to to implode. And so what do we put our faith in? What do we put our, our, our hopes in when we look to the future? I can tell you right now, everything that in this world is going to disappear. The only thing that you can put your hope in, and that is Almighty God and His Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, there is no hope outside of that. They were involved in sinful pleasures. Uh, they were too busy for God. Uh, they got involved in idolatry, and God hates idolatry more than anything else. The Bible says they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They worshipped and served the created things rather than the Creator. They were involved in sex perversion. And the, one of the last pitfalls of a nation is sex perversion, and normally it's found in an affluent countries. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 1, Paul writing to the Romans said, They knew all the time that there is a God, yet they refused to acknowledge Him as such, or to thank Him as such, or to thank Him for what He is and does. They plunged their silly minds still further into the dark, behind the facade of wisdom. They became just fools. Therefore, God gave them up to be the playthings of their own vile desires, dishonoring their own bodies. God therefore handed them over to the disgraceful passions, the Bible says. They engaged in sex acts that animals didn't even commit. They became guilty of sodomy, homosexuality, adultery. And God warns in the next verse, receiving in themselves the due penalty of their perversion. You see, the Bible says, he who sins sexually sins against his own body. And now here Lot was living in this cesspool of Sodom and Gomorrah. He had taken his, his family, his wife his children, and they're now gone to the Jordan Valley, and he's living in this city. And it's a cesspool. And now Lot is a righteous man. He's a man of God. And I'm sure it broke his heart when he looked around and he saw what was happening, was happening to his family. Uh, We have to be careful of culture because it can affect us. It can affect our hearts. It can turn our hearts away. We can be deluded by the things we see in the world around us. And, and Lot and his wife were living in the middle of this cesspool. I ran from God at one time in my life. I didn't want God in my life. I wanted the pleasures of the world. And maybe some of you are here are like that. I got to the place in my life where I became sick and tired of just being sick and tired. And I remember on my 22nd birthday, I'm 61, 
You can do the math, okay? 22nd birthday, my father said, let's go for lunch. Okay. So we, had, we went to a little Italian restaurant. Then uh, he said, Franklin, let's go for a walk. All right. We'll go for a walk. Where do you want to go? All right. So we started walking. We go for a little ways, and he stops, and he says, Franklin, I want you to know that your mother and I, we love you. Okay. Thanks. We walk a little further. Uh, he stops, and he looks at me. He says, Franklin, I want you to know that no matter where you go in life, no matter what you do, you'll always be welcome home, son. Okay. Um, you know, thank you. Um, we walked a little further. And he stopped and he looked at me. He said, Franklin, I sense there is a battle for the soul of your life. The devil wants you. And you're going to have to make a choice either to accept Jesus Christ and his claims, or you're going to have to reject him. There's no middle ground. You can't have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. You're going to have to make a choice and commit yourself 100%. He said, your mother and I are praying that you'll make the right decision. When he said that, it kind of ticked me off. Because I knew he was right. I could sense it. Something wasn't right in my life. I sensed there was a battle for my soul. And I believe there's some of you here today, there's a battle for your soul. And the devil wants you. But remember this, God loves you. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. Jesus Christ came from heaven to this earth on a rescue mission to save you. Jesus Christ took your sins. He died on the cross for your sins. He was buried for your sins, for my sins. And on the third day, God raised His Son to life. Jesus Christ isn't dead. He's not still hanging on a cross. He's alive, and He's here, right here today. And He'll come into your heart, into your life, if you'll invite Him. Now, the storm clouds of judgment were gathering over Sodom. The day of their Armageddon was approaching. The Bible says, Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, a cruel day with wrath and fierce anger to make the land desolate and to destroy the sinners within. The Bible says the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth of their wickedness. You see, God is going to judge sin. He's going to judge it one day. But today He'll forgive. He wants to forgive, eager to forgive. We've all sinned and come short of His glory. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. That's the penalty for breaking God's law. And we're all, the whole human race is under a, a death sentence. But yet God gave His Son for you and for me. All you have to do is be willing to, to believe by faith. Now God warns. And Lot is a righteous man living in this cesspool. And God sends two angels. Two angels to Sodom. Now Lot is sitting at the gate in the late evening and these two men approach, and Lot gets up quickly, and he, he goes and introduces himself, and he says, Listen, guys, um, why don't you come stay at my house tonight? No, we'll just stay out here in the, 
and the square of the, the city. No, don't do that. This is a dangerous town, guys. It's dangerous here in Sodom. You don't know what could happen to you in that square. You come into my house and let me put you under the protection of my roof. So the angels went. And Lot and his wife prepared a meal for them. And then the men of the city came to the door and they said, We know you have those two strangers. Let them out. Let them, let us have them so that we can have sex with them. The whole city came out, men, young and old, to have sex with these two angels. And they tried to force their way in. And the Bible says that the angels smote them with blindness. And they were around just groping and couldn't find the door. And the angels turned to Lot and said, you got to get out. We have been sent to burn this city. We're going to destroy it. But you have to get out. See, God doesn't judge the righteous and unrighteous together. God was giving Lot an opportunity to, to escape. Now, Lot had to make a decision. Am I going to listen to these angels or I'm just going to say, oh, I think I'll just wait and see what happens. Lot was smart enough. He realized danger was coming. He knew the city was going to be destroyed. He knew how wicked that city was and that God does not put up with wickedness like that. And so he goes to his son-in-laws. He says, guys, come on, we got to go. They laughed at him. (laughs) He said, you're joking. That's not going to happen. He gets his wife and he gets his daughters and he gets them by their hand and he takes them out of the city. And the angel said, leave and run to the mountains. Run for your life because we cannot destroy the city till you're safe. God wants you to be safe today. He wants you to be safe in His arms. And the only way you can escape is through Christ. And Lot said, can I go to Zor? Let me just go over here to Zor. And the angel said, okay, you can go to Zor. But run. Get out of here. And whatever you do, do not look back. Don't do it. Don't do it. Go. And now they're fleeing. And the storm clouds are coming. And just a few steps from Zor, Lot's wife. And Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. Lot's wife takes a a quick glance back. Maybe she was saying to herself, oh, I'm going to miss that little corner cafe down by the house. Or I remember that little coffee shop. And uh, I don't know what she was thinking, but she was told, don't look back. You see, if you come to Christ, you have to leave your sins. You don't look back at the old life and say, oh, well, I'll kind of miss that party. No, God's got a new life and a new beginning. And she looked back over her shoulder and she died instantly. And the Bible says God turned her into a pillar of salt. You say, but Franklin, why could why would God be so cruel? I mean, it was such a simple thing. She's just a little glance back. First of all, it represented, I think, years of unbelief in her heart. I think it represented years of disobedience in her heart. And she was so close to being saved. Just a a few steps, just a couple more steps, and she would have been a Zor. She would have been safe. But she took that little quick look back. And it was finished. It was over. And God's judgment came on her. And God's judgment fell on Sodom and Gomorrah. And the rain, sulfur, and fire from heaven. And it destroyed them all. And God is going to judge all sin. 
And my friends, I want you to know that God loves you. Remember, if you, if you can't remember anything else, remember this today. God loves you. And He gave His Son for you. God is going to judge, I believe, America one day. And He's going to judge all sin. We know that. But today, God will forgive you. And you can be sure that your sins are forgiven. You can be sure that you are safe in the hands of Almighty God, but it's through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, if you're here this morning and you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, you can do that this morning. You can do it right now. And by coming, you're saying to God, I'm a sinner and I'm sorry, and I want your forgiveness. What binds us together is devotion to worshiping our Heavenly Father, dedication to studying His Word, and determination to proclaim our eternal hope in Jesus Christ. For more teachings from Calvary Albuquerque and Skip Heitzig, visit calvaryabq.org.